and welcome to Through the Eyes of the Guide, a podcast dedicated to guides and tour managers around the world. A program to share tips and tricks, information, and to know more about this beautiful community. My name is Nicole Flores, your host, also known as Nikki Flo in social media. I'm a qualified local guide in Santiago de Chile since 1998 and a tour leader, tour conductor since 2006. Welcome to the program. Welcome to our third episode, today with a special trip between the Arctic and Antarctica to have news about what's happening with the tourism season with the ships that visit the extremes of our planet. Our guest was a biologist for the British Antarctic Survey. 15 years ago, he spent two years living on South Georgia, best place on Earth, he says. He gave presentations on board, visiting expedition ships, and stepped across to spend seven to nine months of each year as a guide and expedition leader on ships. Last season, he finished already his 249th expedition ship voyage and half of these voyages to Antarctica. Several Arctic seasons, but also dozens of tropical and subtropical voyages. Great leader, very knowledgeable guide, written a book right now. Welcome to Jamie Watts. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Nicole. Thank you very much. That was quite an introduction. Um, good, to, <laughs> good to see you. Good to hear you. Good to, good to hear your voice. Um, good to be here. And thanks for having me. No, my pleasure. Uh, where are you now? I'm in the Swiss Alps, which is slightly bizarre and incredibly beautiful. I am based for lockdown with uh, my fiance in the Netherlands, but uh, her parents were given the offer of a, a brief period in the chalet in the Swiss Alps. So We've been absolutely loving it. The weather's been glorious. I'm really sorry for the people who are locked down at the moment. Um, but uh, yes, in a very beautiful place, just having a few days here. We head back to the Netherlands, um, which is semi-locked down still uh, in uh, in a few days, a couple of days. Oh, okay. So um, I have a lot of questions to ask you today because this is a really interesting topic I love. The trips to Antarctica, and I know you are having a lot of information about what is supposed to be the season and what happened also in the Antarctic season, which is basically nothing. Um, but first of all, what about the closing down of the season and the lockdown in March? Yeah, that was an interesting little episode, and it's been an interesting few months, of course. Um, you can, yeah, you can, there are pluses and there are lots of minuses, but interesting is a pretty good word. We, I, I last saw you, we traveled together in the end of last year, wasn't it? And then the season mm -hmm. continued. I stayed for the rest of the season. And then, of course, January, we heard, started to hear rumors of uh, this virus and uh, things started to slowly close down. And we actually finished our season in the Antarctic with a beautiful, magnificent South Georgia trip in March. And then, yeah, we, we finished the season as it was closing down. So as... We arrived in Aswire after a 14-day trip, just as Aswire was talking about closing its uh, its the port, and soon after Buenos Aires Airport was going to close, so we ended up getting a bus to Punta Arenas and then a flight to Santiago because we thought that Buenos Aires was closing, but Santiago was going to be closing later. And then, of course, the president of Chile decided that he was thinking about closing Santiago earlier. So we had to kind of rush 
there to try and get through there. And we all made it through. We had people on the ship from all over. We had some from South America. We had some from Europe, some from US, some from Canada. And uh, everyone made it through. It took a couple of people a couple of days longer than they'd hoped, but uh, everyone made it. And it was it was getting out of dodge as and finishing the season as everything was closing down, as the world was closing down, basically. And uh, no one really knew what was going to happen. And, of course, we still don't really know what's happening completely. We've got uh, slow opening out in various places and uh, then slow closing down in some of these places again. So it's, uh, yeah, interesting times. And Wow, it's a, it's a very big adventure. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the only way to see it. I was very lucky, and I think um, many of us um, in, the, in the Antarctic, on the, on the expedition, teams of the Antarctic ships had it quite lucky in as much as we finished our season. So we'd done seven days a week for quite a long period of time, for several months. And the end of the season came, and that was when things were shutting down. So I, I think for, for some of the companies and for some of the polar staff particularly, it was the timing wasn't so, so bad. Um, it was what came later that was... It's proving, of course, for the whole tourism industry, but for the expedition cruising industry as well, um, has proved to be a very challenging um, few months. Yeah, it was. And what about your your summer? And uh, what about the lockdown in the Netherlands? Well, yeah, I, I I got I was went back to the UK, which is where I'm from, and had a, a few days with my son, and then managed to escape to the Netherlands before that border closed and what was supposed to be happening was that uh, we were myself and my fiance were going to visit friends in Uganda and actually a local tour operator local uh, owner operator there who we've we've traveled with before and we've got a few friends in that part of the world and of course Uganda locked down very strongly and is still locked down very strongly as as is much of the world and those guys it really puts it into perspective uh, from the perspective of expedition ship staff those guys really massively depend on tourism and They've got very little moving that's not close to the, the capital. So they are struggling to a much greater degree the, than, than I have been, than we have been. Um, so our, our little trip to Uganda didn't happen. Um, and, I mean, on the ships, uh, a lot of the crews on the ships have um, been stuck on the ships. Various ports have different uh, different situations, various air, airlines and um, countries Uh, with uh, their airports have different situations of course so I have a couple of friends who literally yesterday day before yesterday now got off the ship finally and got their flights home oh so, yeah so some people have it much much harder than than I feel that I've I've had it wow but um yeah so that was that was the end of the the, the beginning of the spring and that was supposed to be the, a little bit of a break and of course Many of us in the in the tourism industry have had a an enforced sabbatical, rather a longer break. What was supposed to happen, from my perspective, I'm I'm freelance basically. I work for three expedition uh, operations, and uh, I was supposed to be heading out around the British Isles in the spring, and then up to the Faroes, and then up to Iceland, around Iceland a couple of times, and then up to Svalbard, and finishing in Svalbard. And, of course, none of that happened. And then the, the rest of the spring, summer, 
or the rest of the summer really was supposed to be North Pacific for a couple of different contracts. And I think what the industry's done, and it's been sort of fairly sensible, has been to watch and to do what they can and to it's been every couple of weeks a change in information and an advancement and they've closed down and yeah the expedition ship industry i think has been it's been quite proactive but one of the things that's happened to the industry and the the industry that operates as far as the, the bit that i'm concerned with it's mostly uh, polar regions so it's probably four to five months in the antarctic and four months in the arctic and then some of the companies do some trips uh, to through the the middle through the tropics and through the subtropics for, for the rest of the season but in the last few years this has been increasing in popularity as you know and people have been building new ships and they've put a lot of money down this is an expensive high-end way to travel and so a lot of money millions has been put down and these very nice new ships and they all seem to be coming off the uh the shipyards just in time for corona it's it's horrible horrible timing for some of these companies but i think they've been quite sensible everyone everybody that i'm in touch with has been looking forwards planning for 2021 and beyond and very aware that we have to change our routines and change the way we do some things with regards to this strange epidemic that is providing an adventure and maybe some opportunities for all of us. Um, but I think I think the that some people are going to be struggling with an excessive inventory that, of course, is not going to be moving because the ships haven't been able to move to their shipyards. Uh, the guests aren't able to move to join the ships. Some flights, of course, are not going to many parts of the world. And so we've had, yeah, six months has been basically cancelled. The Arctic season hasn't really happened. It's happening in a small way for a few ships. But, yeah, it's been an enforced an enforced holiday sabbatical for, for many of us. So, Jimmy, what is your vision of the expedition cruise industry right, right now? I think the industry will mm -hmm. rebound. I, I think there's so much uncertainty still, and there's information coming in every week still. But there are some very smart, very proactive people looking at investigating ports and governments and responses to ships coming in and responses to different scenarios with regards to uh, biosecurity and with regards to routines on board the ships. I think there is there are some certainly that some people that I've spoken to on for uh, the three companies that I work with um, who are doing some some very proactive engagement in looking at ways to move forward. I think we, we're going to need a vaccine to, mm -hmm. to be really sort of through and clear of this thing. But I think there are, there are ways that we can operate and there are ways that we can move forward. And there certainly seems to be some optimism for an Antarctic season starting in November. That's when I'm expecting to, uh, to get back and uh, get back onto the ships. I think it's going to be, it's clear that it's going to be a, a reduced Antarctic season. There are a couple of companies that have already cancelled their seasons. Um, but, oh, okay. but I think 
there are other companies that will operate and will operate with just with a reduced itinerary, redu- reduced itineraries. Um, of course, things can still change, but I think even with a few second waves, which seems to be happening already, mm-hmm. I think we're going to see uh, a season for the Antarctic. So is your team learning some new new rules for working this season? I mean, you're getting together, your company is giving you some new some new protocols, or that will be just before you start the season? No, I think um, th- th- there are we're we're being given areas to look at and areas to pay attention to. The shipboard side of things is and public spaces is something that's going to get some attention and uh, there'll be more sanitization more um, hand wash stations uh, to be honest there be there have been quite a, a large number in recent years across the fleet generally but I think uh, mm-hmm. things like in zodiacs maybe a reduced number of people in the zodiacs and traveling with just a family group and a lot of us where to be honest where um, a like a net gaiter over our faces anyway when we're in the polar regions because it's cold and it just keeps the wind off us so wearing a net gaiter or something else like a mask in zodiacs and just having two family groups in a zodiac rather than um 10 strangers something like that just slight operational procedures and uh, yeah public spaces there are places where we operate where people are going through doorways and people are funneling through doorways and and things like that but I think what's coming through to me from the people that I work with is that they are they're thinking about these things they're investigating these things they're working with these things and uh, we'll find a way we'll find ways of, of, of working yeah and, and do you have any information about uh, if you're starting the season of uh, in, in November, let's say, and we all are expecting that, uh, do you know if there were major cancellations of the people taking that trip? I, I'm extremely lucky. I get to do the fun stuff on the ship and I don't oh, okay. involved in the sort of the, the bookings and the numbers. I think I, I've heard a few comments and a few mentions that mm-hmm. there the ships might be running a little bit at reduced capacity, at least mm-hmm. initially. And yes, there certainly have been groups that have uh, that have cancelled for, for next Antarctic season. Um, and I think that's a sort of a continuous, continuously moving situation. But also we're hearing that um, people want to travel. People want to travel more and more anyway. With the, the Antarctic season last year, until covid sort of hit and constrained it a little bit was going to be by far the biggest number of visitors to Antarctica that oh. it had ever seen. It was going to be go from 40,000 or 45,000 the previous season to something like 80,000. But I think, yeah, in the end, it was somewhat constrained from that. So that there's people want to travel and people want to travel at the, uh, to these, these spectacular places. And uh, yes, Our guests, and let's not forget, our guests are struggling as well through all of this. The economics of it is going to be the thing, I think, uh, long term, over the next few years. 2008, of course, we had a situation with the credit crunch where a lot of people were were suddenly constrained. And this looks like it's going to be stronger. And so, you know, we run very expensive voyages. They are high ticket items. And... 
you know, it, this is all dependent on on people being able to afford to do these things. <laughs> yes. So yeah, I, I, I always have a little bit of a a little bit more than a little of a, a thought to our, our guests, of course, because you know they're in the same boat, if you'll pardon the pun, that the mm-hmm. rest of us are in. Yeah. Well, that's a fantastic upgrade with the information, um, Jimmy. Let us uh, let us know a little more about your personal project. What you've been doing? What are you doing now? Uh, I I know that you are about to finish a, a book, so please uh, let us know a little more about that. Yeah, yeah, that's um, it's it's an opportunity. This this book has been on the shelf for sixteen years, fifteen years what? nearly. Um, and uh, no, I, it's it's a, a book on on the wildlife of of Antarctic Peninsula and the Scotia oh. Sea, and I started writing it fifteen or a little bit more than fifteen years ago, and just haven't done very much to it over the years. And it, it, it's it's an opportunity. I think COVID and lockdown is going to be a, a period of immense. Uh, what's the word? Productivity and innovativeness and reinvention and all sorts of projects being shaken down. So uh, yes, my book is uh, is getting close now. I've just got it out to some proofreaders, some friends in the industry who are uh, very knowledgeable folks. So uh, getting some proofreads and working with some photographers. So uh, I'm, I'm, yes, I think it'll be a good a good little uh, outcome in this whole thing. The provisional title is The River of Krill. Which just referred to the, uh, the the stream of krill running through the Scotia Sea, the richest bit of marine ecosystem in the world, arguably. Um, but this that, that attracts all the predators and has all this this very marine life. And it's uh, everybody knows, of course, about the whales and the penguins and the seals. It's it's about the whole system. Um, and yes, I'm, I'm. It's looking quite good. It's looking like. And how long before publishing? Yeah, I'm I'm hoping ebook next month, end of next month, August. And yeah, yeah, it's it's we're already <laughs> we're already into July, aren't we? Um, and then the paperback before the season, before the season starts. Nice, nice. Well, that's a great project. I I love books. I'm going to be one of the first one getting one of those. Great. And are are you doing something something uh, something else? Are you, I'm learning to uh, I'm learning to edit video. I've been filming um, around the world for again something like 15 years, but I've never edited any of it. So yeah, you can do all sorts of things when you're locked down. Udemy has courses in learning to do just about anything, and I, th- I suspect I'm not the only one. Oh yes, fantastic platform. Well, um, let me ask you because uh, um, we are very lucky when we visit the Arctic and Antarctica. But certainly, everybody have the uh, the perfect, the preferred moment, the, uh, the 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 moment you really love of the whole trip. I want to ask you in in the Arctic and Antarctic in Antarctica as well. What is your perfect moment when you visit those places? No, no such no such one perfect moment. So many perfect moments. Uh, the Arctic, uh, Svalbard, and the walruses. I, I I like polar bears, and I've had some beautiful moments with polar bears. And I know that's the big draw for a lot of people. But uh, I love walruses. They're utterly ridiculous and gorgeous and hideous and and fantastic. And they're they're doing quite well. They're becoming much more. Um, 
much easier to see around Svalbard. I think they're they're making a little bit of a, a steady recovery there. And yes, I like the walruses. The uh, and we're starting to see um, bowhead whales a little bit more frequently now around Svalbard. So it's for me, it's always the wildlife. And uh, as far as the Arctic's concerned, the North Pacific Arctic. I'm very excited about it. We did a, a season there last year. We were supposed to be doing one again this year. Um, but the, the Russian Far East and the Aleutians and Alaska and Vancouver, some of the wildlife, just beautiful moments of uh, dozens of humpback whales feeding all together or dozens of sea otters in a glacial uh, bay. Uh, yeah, fantastic stuff. <laughs> so it sounds like it's impossible to choose one. No, you, you can never choose one moment. It's it's just, yeah, you know that you're going to get them. You're never quite yeah. sure which ones are going to be uh, the, the standouts. But, um, yeah, we, we get to go to the these really beautiful wild parts of the world. Yeah, I'm agree. Just uh, looking outside of the windows when you go in the Arctic area is just outstanding. Uh, but what about Antarctica? South Obviously, South Georgia, it's... <laughs> The, the the densest concentration of warm-blooded wildlife on the planet, yes. um, and I, I've I've probably got over a thousand days on and around South Georgia under my belt, and I still get goosebumps. We go to one of the the big king penguin colonies, um, yes. Bay or Salisbury Plain, and I I still get butterflies. It's it's wonderful, <laughs> and they've started seeing in the last few years. There's re- recording and reporting more and more aggregations of the big whales off there um but antarctica as well the 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 weddell sea we, we the last few years we've been doing some really nice forays into the weddell sea there's uh, some big ice being on the move there and the uh, daily penguins uh, there's a, a, a newly not a newly discovered but a newly uh, appreciated uh, a daily colonies around the danger islands that we get out to from time to time um so yeah there's 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 a lot of really good exciting stuff and you see something new here. it's changing it's changing each year and not always in bad ways we know it's getting warmer and we've been seeing rain in the antarctic peninsula region through the the season the last few years which didn't really used to happen um but it's also changing in some good ways the uh, the humpback whales are doing extremely well in that area and they're starting to come back and we, we know that we're going to see them now second half of the season you know you get lots of encounters with the humpback whales and uh yeah we've had some phenomenally good uh seal years and seal um crabida seals have been doing really well yeah well i cannot be more agree it's uh Antarctica is really, really magnificent, but uh, South Georgia is one place in the entire planet that you cannot miss. It's, it's fantastic wildlife there. I'm totally, totally agree. Well, thank you. Um, let's see. I wanna, I want you to share some, you know, best practices with us because uh, you've been working with a lot of guides and a lot of uh, trip leaders. And and before you go there, I just want to mention that. Something that calls my attention a lot and, and I think was very, very helpful and a great, great um, best practice when I get on, on the ship last year uh, with Albatross. I, I have to say that every single ship going to Antarctica, of course, they do have great team 
teams, uh, expedition teams, because you know you should be very good to to be there. But the main difference I find out with your team and and the others is it's the the, the teamwork was spectacular, was really really good. And besides that, you get the very first night all the trip leaders traveling uh, in that uh, voyage, all of them all together the very first night to introduce ourselves, to give you the expectations of our guest, to talk about that and see how we can, you know, achieve for every single group. And we've been having trip leaders from, I remember, Singapore, um, UK, United States, um, you know, some some different groups. And, and the I think that was a key moment when you, the very first day when you get together, you meet not just your team, but also the other trip, uh, trip leaders or uh, tour conductors, and uh, you make them work all together in order to have a great experience for the client. I think that was fantastic. So um, I want to mention that before because it was amazing. But also I want you, <laughs> I wanted to ask you, uh, for best practices, you've been working a lot with other uh, tour managers and guides. So what do you think we are doing well or not well? Or how how can we improve our our performance? Yes, um, I no, that, that was I, I think I have a feeling that um, Albatross, who, of course, we were traveling with when we traveled together last, um, are very strong on that. They they their business model is based around groups and um it's just a standard operating procedure but i think also for other people in the industry as well and you have uh, the group leaders who are always larger than life characters and always want to do the best for their guests and it's it's i i enjoy it i think getting getting the, the guys together the group leaders together i come in with an idea of my preliminary itinerary and a preliminary idea of what people's preferences and priorities might be. But then, of course, you meet the group leaders and they have their own ideas and the guests have their own ideas. And, of course, we're all trying to achieve the same thing. We're all trying to give a little bit of a taste in the little time that we have of the magnificence of this whole thing. And I, for some people, for some group leaders, they really want to get their people walking on snow and walking on snow and ice and uh, the they that's a, a huge priority for some people they really want a zodiac cruise some people really don't want a zodiac cruise um and yeah it's 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 get, getting the best experience for everybody and sometimes you know you can kind of nudge and you can suggest and think well you know maybe if we do this and go here this might give your guests a little bit more of uh a, a broader range of an experience and sometimes the group leader will say yes and sometimes they'll say no i think one thing with a few group leaders um is that they will they want to be seen by their clients to be giving the expedition leader and the expedition team a hard time and that can be it can be counterproductive what you did um and you know let's just raise a little bit of a glass to you what you did was and i've never seen anything quite like it from my side i you engaged with your guests 
continuously right throughout the the uh, the day, right throughout the evening. You were touching base with them more than I've ever seen any other group leader do so. And they loved it. They appreciated it. They knew that you were working for them. But what you weren't doing, what a few group leaders have been known to do from time to time, is you weren't just making a lot of noise in my direction and stomping your feet and demanding. Um, because of course, that doesn't help. And we all really want the same thing. We all want... These places are magnificent. If we put you there and put you there safely, um, you're going to be bowled over and you're going to have a once in a lifetime experience. What we want to do is just optimize and tweak that a little bit. And um, in terms of guest practices and guide practices, uh, something from from a team perspective is that just the, the focus on it being about the guests and it being about their experience and not coming in and saying, this is what I know, this is what I can do, this is what I've done, I'm really, really smart, I'm really, really <laughs> impressive, um, and I'm really passionate about this. Telling them that is a complete waste of everybody's time. Um, so, yeah, go, go in with the, with the perspective that it's it's their voyage and it's, it should be a once-in-a-lifetime thing and it should be, it should be life-changing, actually. It should be paradigm-shifting. And um, and I suppose the other thing would be that um, <laughs> if you are guiding, if you're bringing a group to Antarctica or guiding them around Antarctica or, or wherever you're going, yeah. you should know your stuff. You should arrive prepared. You should know what you're expecting from the penguins. You should know what you're expecting, a little bit about history. No matter what your role is, if you're on that team or if you're guiding, then you should have the courtesy to your guests that you, if they have some questions and they don't know something, you have a pretty good idea of uh, what, what you can, how you can open their eyes and how you can maybe show them something that they hadn't even thought of. Yes. I love it. Know your stuff. And then also very, very important. It's probably once in a lifetime experience. And then I think a lot of, a lot of us, tempt to forget sometimes that and we don't make the effort to just um, make every single day uh, one th once in a lifetime experience for the client. Well, thank you. That was fantastic. Um, Jimmy, we're arriving till the end of the interview. And uh, of course, I want to thank you a lot for, for being with us today. And uh, before that, I want to ask you, uh, I know that you have a web page so people can reach you and uh, if they want to know a little more about your book as well, that I'm sure is going to be fantastic. Uh, so can you please give us that information? And I don't know if you have a final message maybe for the community. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, web, my web page is awful. It's once, one of the things that in COVID I haven't <laughs> got around to sorting out yet. Um, but uh, there actually, there's one thing on there. There's, it's, the web page is jamiewatts.co.uk. And the one thing that might be useful for the Antarctic is there's a little um, in the articles section of the web page. There's a, a thing I did for Geographical Magazine in the UK, and it's just a bit of a summary of the Antarctic season and the the wildlife and the, the October through December through to March and the differences in what's happening. So that might be a useful little resource there. Um And Jamie Watts on Facebook is probably, uh, they can find me there. And it's, it's always nice to, to say hi to people who are in the, in the business, of course. 
Ah, final, final message. Hang in there. This is, it's, it's an opportunity. Uh, COVID mm -hmm. lockdown is horrible. It's mentally actually incredibly challenging for a lot of people, um, self-included here. Um, but I think it's probably also good for, good for the planet to have a little bit of a breather from us, but it's good for us as well. Um, just to have a bit of enforced change of pace, change of focus, maybe brush off those old projects. Well, Is that enough wisdom? <laughs> yes, yes. Well, thank you very much, Jimmy, for being with us today. Thank you for the news you got us from uh, the uh, Antarctica season incoming. And uh, I'm sorry that the Arctic didn't work at all, at all this, uh, this year. But as you said, uh, the planet Earth is taking a little breath and you can see some some good things things happening too so cool. well, thank you very much also for just for having me thanks for for asking me for this this is this is wonderful thanks my pleasure see you then bye bye thank you for listening through the eyes of the guide I hope we've been a good company and I'll be waiting for you next week with another guest from somewhere in the world to share and learn. Stay tuned! <laughs>